Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to this latest edition of the Once Bitten podcast. And if you are a new listener, welcome to the world of Bitcoin. Stick around. It's great fun. Go and find us on Bitcoin Twitter and engage in some of the conversations. Actually, don't. Just sit back and watch some of the random shit that gets thrown around sometimes and enjoy the ride. It's great fun. And welcome. Uh, right, guys, do you want to go to the Bitcoin conference in Miami, 6th and 9th of April this year? It's coming around pretty quick. And if the truckers can do their thing in Canada and that gets infectious, that might spill across the border and the same kind of thing might get put on to the administration there, the government, to lift all restrictions and mandates. We can only hope us Euro plebs that want to get over there. So keep a close eye on what's going on. Day one over there would be industry day. That's for all of the Bitcoiners out there that are building, all the builders that are making companies and services that will need to network, find the people to help them build, whether that's via investment or through skills. That's gonna be day one. Day two and three, general conference goodness, where it's all going off like a frog in a sock, as they say in Australia. There will be speakers, as you know by now, El Salvadorian President Nayib Bukele is going to be there and he's going to promise a big surprise, as well as CEO Michael Saylor of MicroStrategy. Elizabeth Stark is going to be there, Jack Mallers, Adam Back, and many, many more. Then Sound Money Fest comes at you on day four to close it all up. Uh, rapper and fellow Bitcoiner Logic is going to be headlining Steve Aoki, CL, Run the Jewels, San Holo, Dead Mal 5 are all confirmed and there's going to be many more. It sold out last year and it's going to sell out again this year, I'm sure. Use code BITTEN at checkout. Please check any of the travel restrictions. That BITTEN code will get you 10% off and you will get a full refund if you cannot travel due to COVID. Now, big shout out for the supporters of the show longtime show supporter swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten they will help you stack sats in the us of a and educate you around bitcoin get all your friends all your noobs on there swanbitcoin.com and remember all these links are in the show notes if you're in the uk or in europe you can use coincorner.com they are an exchange based on the isle of man doing great things big announcements coming out from them pretty soon fingers crossed danny you know what i'm talking about also Bitcoin Reserve are here in Europe. They can help you smash by or tie on a nice chunky position. 50 grand and over. White glove service. Go check them out. Relay, R-E-L-A-I, are a great stack in SATs option. They are DCA app. Download it. There's more news coming from them, guys, soon this year. All of these companies are pushing it. But make sure you are taking control of your SATs. These are so important to you and your future take care of them don't leave them at risk on the apps or the exchanges get them a hardware wallet use shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten to get five percent off the bitbox02 hardware wallet enjoy this rip 
with Debs about home mining. Enjoy the show, guys. All right, we oh, got Debs. We got Debs in the house. How you doing, man? Yeah, good. I'm good. Not sure about this. Uh, I haven't done many podcasts before. Actually, it's my first ever, but we'll see how it goes. How are you guys? Is that Lauren? <laughs> we are. Yeah, we are. Well. It's me. This is hey, Lauren. Lauren. How are you? Good. You? Yeah, good. Good. I've not seen you guys on video before, so it's interesting to see you first time. Mm. Did 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 you um, expect us to look different or? Um. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I, I've seen. I've seen Dan. I've seen Princey on Twitter. But yeah. Yeah. It's all. It's most of it's new to me. Right. Okay. Well, um, I have a question. I mean, that was one of the questions, but... It, it, it's the whole point of us being here. Yeah. And thank you for knocking out my headphones. Hang on a second, listeners. <laughs> so, uh, my question... So, I heard that uh, you do, that you help people uh, mine Bitcoin. Is ah. mining Bitcoin hard? Um, I wouldn't say it's difficult, no. I mean... I, I'm, a, I'm a construction worker. I'm a roofer. So I don't really have any technical skills at all. Um, what we did initially, we started off, we literally just went and bought one of the, one of the old school miners. They're called Ant Miner S9s. Quite cheap. Um, we paid, well, £450 we paid. Between three of us, we thought we'd chip in, give it a little go and, and see how it was. Um, and you buy, you buy the miner. We, we bought it off some guy on Facebook. Um, get a power cable. You get an internet cable. Plug it all in log into your slush pool and link it up and you just leave it. You don't have to do anything. I mean, you might have to clean it once every six months. You plug it in and, and you leave it. And we were a bit nervous at first, but it's, it's surprisingly easy. Right, because... To the mic. Yeah, uh, right, because uh, it's, uh, it's, it, it, it looks difficult and sounds difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. When you look at the pictures online, all these big machines, and um, and you hear all these people on podcasts talking really complicated. But in reality, you, you, it's a plug and play job. Once you once you plug it in and direct it towards your your pool, you, there's there's not really that much more to it. I mean, luckily, not not much has gone wrong so far, so we haven't had to get our technical skills involved. But once you once you get them up and running, it, you you can pretty much leave them to it. Right. We're going to have a go here, by the way. What do you mean? We're going to... Uh, well, I won't dox I saw anybody, you were but... looking for an S9. <laughs> yes. Wait, there, I did see. Yeah, I, I want to buy a machine and plug it in. You didn't tell me this. Yeah, it's brand new. It's brand new. Uh, a friend of mine has access to free electricity. So... Free electricity? Yes. <laughs> oh, that so therefore, you plug, in a, you plug a miner in whenever you can. Good. Good, very good so, idea. Yeah, uh, that's that's my stage of uh, of things right Definitely now. Don't dox that guy. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to remain in an undisclosed country in an undisclosed location. So even if Armageddon were to befell us, the the, the blockchain yeah, would be completely fine. Completely decentralized, isn't it? Yeah, yeah the that's network the thing is, with it. The network would be okay as long as you've got electricity. And uh, a Wi-Fi connection, yeah. Always need. Well, I have heard of people um, getting free electric and, and mining from it. So yeah, it's, it's definitely something that it's done from time to time. The Wi-Fi is a problem, actually. Our Wi-Fi. So basically, we're we're mining on a farm. So it's my, it's me, my brother, and our and our friend. He's a farmer. He gets he gets good rates on electric because it's industrial. 
So what we do is we set the machines up in one of his sheds in his farm. And he his farm is sort of like quite a big as houses all over the farm and, and, and they get they get fiber broadband in at one end of the farm and then they, they sort of ping the broadband to the next farm building and then to the next farm building. So we've got fiber broadband which is pinged across a couple of buildings and we've got a hundred meter ethernet cable down to the sheds. So our internet is our biggest problem because it's a little bit unreliable. So we're, we're actually thinking of getting a, like a backup 4G router. So when the internet drops out, we might lose a few blocks, but if the mm. 4G router comes in, then yeah, that's the plan. Ah, okay. <clears throat> Yeah, and I mean, he, he also has so, so, I but guess that it, you guys are quite rural. Does it matter how strong the signal is or you've just got to be? No, I mean, you could you could have like five megabytes per second or megabits per second, they call it, off off like off your phone. But mm. it's the problem is when it drops out, then you, you're you not going to be ha hashing anything. Right. That's the thing. Right. Okay. That's good <laughs> to be to honest, most, most of our knowledge came from we listened to well i listened to citadel dispatch i think it was episode 31 and they had a guy called econo alchemist and ronin minor and after listening to that episode last year just after the china crash i was thinking well it's probably a good time to to, to do some mining we we the the stack of bitcoin that we have was doing quite well anyway in fiat terms and we could probably get some miners out of it um so i went and chat with my brother and he was like oh what about our farmer friend, we call him, we call him chicken. Um, and between the three of us, we decided I was going to be the technical, uh, technical help side, even though I know nothing, um, learning as we go. My brother was going to be kind of the financer. He, he works in finance over in Malaysia. And then chicken was going to be the, 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 the location and the electric. And between the three of us, we'd, we'd agreed to split everything we get Money, money from my brother, power from 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 George, and, and then knowledge from me. Pull in to get the miners, and then we'll split at the end of the year or when, whenever we get a return. And uh, our biggest fear, to be honest, is we we've put a little bit of Bitcoin into it, and our biggest fear is if if something goes wrong before we get our Bitcoin back, we've we've lost out. So it's not like there's no risk involved. That there, there, there is the risk of something going wrong, and your miners break, and you've lost your your capital input. <laughs> but if it does go well, once once you get your once you get your return of Bitcoin, it's, it's, I've heard it a few times. They call it like a Bitcoin bond. Basically, you're, you're you're getting a yield on your Bitcoin, and then on top of that, you're getting KYC free Sats. So if that's what people are looking for, you might even pay it. You might even end up paying a little bit extra if if you like just for KYC free, outside of the reach of any government or anything. Good, good that Matt O'Dell has uh, he struck again. With uh, yeah. with his his insights and his knowledge and uh, his podcast, but before we we carry on, uh, I think I, I fear we may have lost Lauren's interest. Are you <laughs> are you out of questions? I'm out of questions. But what do you mean you fear you may? <laughs> because we're about to start talking for about an hour and a half about Bitcoin. I would imagine. Yeah. 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 Oh well. Do you want to say goodnight to Dave? Yeah. Um. We we will definitely get a Bitcoin mining thing, but we might have to go somewhere else for the Wi-Fi. Uh no, yeah, it's uh, going to be in a different location. Don't worry, it's not going to be here. It'll be too loud to be in the house. They make a lot of noise. Oh, they kick out some good heat though. Yeah, so that'd be good in the winter. But don't, don't worry, we're going to talk about all of yeah, this. See <laughs> good you. night. See you, Lord. <laughs> right, mate. So I, I guess. 
I mean, what, what a lot of the plebs want to know, uh, and I just had uh, an episode with, uh, with Daz from Australia. It's yet to drop, but he's a, he's a sparky, as they'd call himself. Uh, they're yeah, even sparkies yeah. in the UK, aren't they? There's sparkies in the UK. We, we, we got somebody in to, to rig up some free phase electric for our miners. Oh, perfect. I mean, but, it's not the kind of thing meant, we're going to get That's into. what they call themselves. They call themselves sparkies, a sparky. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. He, he was trying to claim it as an Australian thing, but I was thinking to myself, oh, no, no, we have sparkies for sure. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and, and he took us through like how the grid works and, and you know, his day-to-day job, his fiat life and how that's overlapping with Bitcoin. And now he's mining from home, etc. cetera. Uh, you clearly come to Bitcoin somehow. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm assuming in your line of work, you can just have the earbuds in all day, or at least one, and having podcasts is, on the go. Yeah, this is exactly it. So I work for myself. Uh, I've got a small roofing company. Sometimes I get people in to help me. But to be honest, what I enjoy most is knowing I've got a couple of days work ahead of me. I'm on my own for eight hours a day. As soon as I leave the house, headphones are in, and it's like podcast 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 and it used to be podcast on everything but the last few years it's just bitcoin straight all the way through and then audiobooks and it used to be audiobooks on everything now it's like a bitcoin audiobook iron rand or, or whatever it is that's all i can get into me is, is bitcoin content so what, i can't get enough what made you look into the rabbit hole what what was that first little tap on the shoulder so i mean i've always i've always liked technology um always been to anything that kind of thing even though i'm not that not that savvy with with uh, with computers um when I, I was in australia in 2017 i was roofing over there and i sort of sometimes i go to bed at night i jump on twitter and i'd see like i just see the hashtag bitcoin and i start thinking why do i see bitcoin everywhere that sounds interesting what is it had a little look into it didn't really understand what it was but i did see the price and that was what i definitely saw so i was in australia and i was trying to upload try to download coinbase and, and and create my account and because of the location i was in and my id was from the uk i i, I couldn't make a coinbase account and I, it was horrible because it's over the span of about a week i mean the price must have doubled and i was thinking oh no this is horrible really starting to fomo so i worked out you could use what was a a, a bitcoin atm i didn't know anything about it but i worked out as a bitcoin atm about three kilometers across in the middle of, in the middle of the cbd cbd in 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 sydney so i I cycled across, basically, jumped on my bike after work, cycled across, um, went into this little corner shop, and um, I was like, oh, how do I work this machine, mate? And it was uh, it was this Indian guy, and he said to me, uh, you've got to download a wallet. So he recommended me the blockchain wallet. I didn't have a clue what it was. And then he said, put your money in the machine. So I put my cash in this ATM, and, uh, and then obviously a QR code came up, and I worked out, scanned the QR code. I was like, great, it's done. Amazing, got my, got my Bitcoin. Looked at my blockchain wallet and there was nothing there. And then I, I start panicking because obviously I didn't realize, you know, the block timing and the transactions per block and everything. Um, so I, I ended up going home with my bike, feeling like I'd been absolutely scammed. Um, and then an hour or so later, it, it came into my account. And I was also thinking, it's a lot less than what I actually put in the machines. So I put in $200, but it, I think it came out to about 160 after the Bitcoin fee. And obviously it was, um, it was like peak time 2017 minus views were quite high so i was pretty I was, I was a bit disappointed but i was happy to see that it did finally turn up um, and then i remember going to work the next day and it 
somehow the next day it shot up and up and up. And then within a week I was in a profit and then it just kept on rising from there for, for quite a while. And uh, that was pretty much my, my introduction to Bitcoin. Um, short, shortly after that, I came home and was chatting to my brother. Um, we ended up going down the shitcoin route, as you do. Yes. So we managed to, at the, at, at the start of 2018, it was probably like January the 1st or 2nd, we opened up a Bitfinex account. We sent in my Bitcoin and we put a load more money in there. We managed to buy, I don't think we could have bought a higher price, a load of shitcoins. And it just went... <laughs> um, so I oh, just... those compl- sweet sets. I, I completely forgot about Bitcoin then. Um, for the whole of 2018, I'd say. That was it. No Bitcoin whatsoever. Didn't want to hear about it. I've lost a load of money. Um, yeah. And, and then uh, at the time, I, I also I ended up working in recruitment for that year. So I wasn't even earning an awful lot of money. Uh, and and it, was, it was a big gamble for me that, that went, went massively wrong. But what happened was, I think it was the start of 2019, I, I was on Twitter again. And I kept seeing Bitcoin again. And I was looking at the chart and I was thinking, like, I've, I've got no technical analysis skills. But I was looking at the chart and I was like, that looks like it's probably going to go back up sometime. Um, and then I saw a pop tweet, and it was like the Bitcoin starter pack. It was like, don't invest more if you lose, blah, blah, blah. Listen to this podcast. And I think it was a pomp with Murad. I, I don't remember his name. But I listened to that podcast, and I was like, wow, I think I get it now. I just need to buy as much as I can buy. Um, I remember sending the podcast to my dad, who was a roofer as well, but he retired, and my brother as well. And they all just had the same thing. It was kind of from that moment onwards that we all just thought, let's start looking at the rabbit hole. No way. And that was you it. managed to orange pill both your dad and your brother on one podcast. That's incredible. Yeah, my, my dad was easy. I, I think there's something to do with being self-employed all your life. And uh, mm. that, something to do with, um, yeah, the, 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 you're looking after yourself kind of thing. But self-employed people always seem to get it quite quick. My brother, who's a financial planner, he he was a bit more difficult. I mean, he he bought Bitcoin straight out of that podcast, but he never quite understood it fully until it took him it took him a couple more years, I'd say. But my dad and I went straight down the rabbit hole. Podcast hey. after podcast. Yeah, that was it. All right. So how did clearly you followed any old man's footsteps, right? Roofing. Is, well, is this how you learned the trade? This is, yeah. So after school, I um, I worked for him. We, we didn't really get on that well, though. So I worked for him uh, for a year or two. We didn't get on. I was always looking for an escape. So I went to university and studied psychology, um, thinking, you know, this is the way out. I've always had an interest in psychology. Massive fan of Jordan Peterson as well. Um, at the time, I, I, went, I went to university, studied psychology. Didn't realise didn't realize at the time how woke it was. And I, I, I actually remember one of my, one of my um, lecturers saying, if I could tell you I was a communist, I would, but I'm not allowed to. So anyway, that was my degree. At the time, I, at the time I lapped it up, and everybody in the class lapped it up. It was like 2013, 2014, 2015. The woke stuff started coming in. Everybody lapped it up. But I left uni thinking, oh, finally, I'm away from my dad, and I couldn't get a job, so I ended up working for him again. Um, a bit more roofing, and I learned some more skills, but again, we fell out. So I thought, right, I'm just going to go traveling and try and live elsewhere. After a, After a... Six months in Asia, maybe, I ended up in Australia. And the, the first job I got over there was actually fishing on a fishing boat, um, which went quite well. But 
that finished. Wait, hang on. So, so wait, wait, I, I can't imagine that's just like drop a line over the side. Like, you know, what, what kind of fishing was this? Uh, I don't really know how much I want to tell because I ended up very unpopular. Um, <laughs> well, initially, initially it was a, there's a crew of, there's a crew of five of us on this boat. We go out for 10, 12 days and it's called Poseining. You, you, you put out like a, a huge net, basically a 300 meter round net, drive the boat in a circle, drop in this net, and then you purse it, lift it up, drop it onto the boat and sort through the fish there could be like there's a there's a conveyor belt with fish coming down and you're putting scad in that tray squid in that tray whatever whatever sorting through the fish straight into the freezer that goes into the hole after 10 12 days you go back to the port and you unload and you get paid i did that and it was probably one of the most difficult jobs i've ever done uh and i remember saying to the captain look when, when, when we go back to the port i'm just going to go get a normal job and they were like yeah okay Pommy, whatever um right I got back to the port and the captain was like, look, you're, you're, you're a good pommy. Um, we, we, we wouldn't mind if you came back on. We're, we're going long lining next time. And I was like, oh, what's long lining? He said, well, you've got a 15 kilometer rope and you put a hook every 10 meters with a bit of bait. You shoot it out, you leave it overnight and then you haul it back in at the, at the next day. And, um, <clears throat> and, and whatever you catch, you put in the freezer. And I was like, well, I, you know, I'm not really sure about that. I'll, uh, I'll get back to you. So um, I rang a good friend of mine who was also in Australia, told him about what I'd been offered, told him how I really didn't want to do it and how hard the last trip was. And he was like, mate, that sounds amazing. I'll come with you. So we ended up making a deal with the captain. If he wants me to work for him, he has to have my mate as well. Um, so that was it. We were told three weeks at sea, long lining. Um, we're catching sharks. We have to catch the sharks, cut the fins off, cut the sharks up, put it all in the freezer. Soon as the boat's full, after about three weeks, come back. We were told the pay was great and uh, it wouldn't be that bad. Um, so, like five and a half weeks later, we're finally coming home. We've had no contact with anybody. Like our parents are worried because there's no signal at sea. We weren't far off the coast of in Indonesia, so we were in Darwin when we set off, and it took two days to get up there to to do the fishing. Um, very brutal. Again, the hardest thing I've ever done, and. Not having any contact with anybody as well that that was really quite difficult hard um, in uh I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna poke some questions at you hard in <laughs> um well first of all what i mean just just hard i, I get seasickness uh, anything like that L luckily we didn't get any seasickness um but like physically hard so part part of part of the job whilst you're shooting the line out so i'm the guy at the very end the line's going out and every now and then you put on a big weight hook it onto the line it goes to the bottom of the sea mm. and then and then you put on 10 hooks every 10 meters um with bait for the sharks to eat and what then was you the bait? um it was fish just stinking it's bad like or was uh, it fresh so, so during during the day you'd have to get loads of fish out of the freezer and cut it in chunks that was mm. part of the job and all we had all we had was a bread knife by the way and we had to sharpen it every night somehow <laughs> a bread knife a bread knife is the best thing for cutting these fish up really um, but <laughs> yeah but the, the repetitiveness of putting the hooks onto the line so you've got these quite stiff um clips i guess that go onto the go onto the line mm. with your bait and all day all, all night whilst you're shooting the line out it's like squeezing clipping squeezing clipping and i remember by the end of the trip my hand was just like just like mm. always in pain I, I couldn't imagine doing it for much longer so that was difficult. Also, the other end of it, um, once you finish shooting the line out, you then get maybe four or five hours and sleep and then, oh, dinner, then four or five hours sleep. 
and the captain wakes you up and you've got to haul it back in as the sun rises. Um, and then you spend, depending on how well it goes, six to 12 hours hauling this line back in. So you've got to, first thing you do is um, you've actually untethered the line from the boat. So you've got to get onto the deck and everybody's out there with their, with, with, with their, with their binoculars looking for the, the float, basically, which is the end of the line. So that's quite a nice thing in the morning. You're, you're not doing anything too strenuous. Um, you find you find the float, you drive the boat over towards it, and then it's a bit of a task hooking the boat, hooking the, the line back onto the boat. Once it's hooked back on, you've got a winch, which is just turning and drawing the line in. And then um, <clears throat> the line comes in, you've got you've got a couple of guys hanging off the boat, unclipping uh, the hook, basically. Well, it's not a hook, it's a clip with a two-meter snood, I think they call it. And then whatever's on the end of it, could be a shark, could be, I don't know, could be whatever fish you catch. They've got to haul that onto the boat, sometimes with a sometimes with a big hydraulic winch again. Gets dragged across, it gets taken over to what they call the butcher section. And then you've just got to chop off the fins, chop up the shark, freeze the fins, freeze the shark. There's two freezers on the boat. There's a snap freezer, which is on the deck, which is about minus 60 degrees, if I remember rightly, and a fan. And it's it's bloody cold when you're in there. And then under the hull, it's more like minus 25 once things are snap frozen, it takes about two hours. You, you carry them down to the hull. So um, you're doing all this, like you're doing all this butchering up fish. And and and, and the boat we were on was an, I think it was an X. I can't remember what the boat was, but it was essentially made originally with two big wide arms with floaters on, but they changed it to become a longline boat, uh, and it didn't have the stabilizing arms. So you're doing all this whilst the boat is rocking left and right quite a lot. You've got this big, heavy fish in front of you. You're trying to cut it up. It's 35 degrees. It's humid. You've got rash because it's because because it, it's um, salt water everywhere. It's mm. a difficult, challenging job. You're tired because you've only slept four hours. The only food you've got is shark and rice. Like it is quite a difficult job. I remember one time, chopped up, chopped up this uh, this load of fish, and I was going to put them in a snap freezer, hang them up on the hooks as you do. I'm in the snap freezer and, and the boat's rocking quite a bit because it's near full moon. So it's, yeah, it's really quite rocky. And the door somehow on the snap freezer managed to slam shut and it's pitch black in this room. It's like minus 60. I'm wearing a pair of shorts and a pair of wellies. I'm getting bashed around by these like swinging bits of fish. And I'm thinking like, shit, I hope somebody hears me. There's generators going, the engines going, there's people pulling lines in. I'm like, help, help, let me help. <laughs> That moment, I was thinking I might actually die. Anyway, luckily, somebody opened the door. We all got back to normal. Um, but I remember going to bed that night thinking, I could have died today. I could have froze to death. And it was like a bit of a revelation. How, how, how much danger I was really in. Um, yeah, Mate, that, was the, that was the hard thing about it. And then you're thinking, I really want to go home. I can't wait for this three weeks to, to, to end. You get to the third week and the captain's like, well, the boat's only half full, so we've got to stay up for a bit longer. And we're like, no. <laughs> Oh yeah, a lot, so when, a lot of growing up happened in that time, in that short time. When the fish were coming up, or the sharks, yeah, <laughs> were, were they dead at that point, or were they still alive? Well, oh god, people are going to hate me. So most of the hammerheads that came up were dead, and for some reason they were they they absolutely stunk, really really bad, um, <clears throat> and they had like sea lice in them. So I was cutting up, and he's like, oh, it was really disgusting. Sometimes there'd be like a bull shark or a tiger shark and it would be alive. Um, and uh, the captain would say, get the shotgun. <laughs> so we, we'd run up to where the captain was. He was driving the boat. 
uh, we grabbed the shotgun. We'd have to come down and shoot the shark. And uh, after, after it, <laughs> if you shot it twice and it wasn't dead, the captain would say, don't waste any more shots. Just pull it up. Um, and then you pull this live shark up onto the boat. And, and yeah, you go from there. It's really, really quite brutal. And uh, I, I don't know how much the woke army would want to hear this stormy story. Yeah. <laughs> and um, was this for the... This for the Asian Asian market for like uh, shark yeah. fin soup and, and such. Exactly that. So because we were in Darwin, we were really close to Asia. So they had like a, I guess, a good relationship with send, sending shark fin out there. Um, but then a lot of the meat was actually used in the fish and chip shops in in Australia. And then a lot of the, the any meat that wasn't used in a fish and chip shop was then used for dog meat. And basically, I think a law was passed a while ago because obviously shark fin shark fishing is is brutal to to the numbers um it's really not that good so what what was what was happening is people were chopping off the fins and just pushing the shark body overboard but um the law came in so that said that you could not waste any of the meat so you'd have to freeze and come back bring back and sell the meat just to stop wasting it basically i mean i i used to i used to love watching deadliest catch right the the, the crab fisherman but this is yeah. the equivalent just with sharks in Australia. Yes, but somehow I ended up with the most hillbilly boat you would ever meet. And it was <laughs> honestly, it was unbelievable. And quite it's quite a funny thing. So it was only it was only the first day I landed in Darwin, actually. I was a bit short on cash. I checked into this hostel and I was on the, the Darwin Facebook page and I saw this job advertised for fishing. And it was it was the very first day I, I even cancelled my hostel check-in and went and stayed on the boat. And then for the next three months or so, I ended up staying with these like really quite hillbilly-ish Darwin fishermen. It was an interesting, interesting, interesting time. <laughs> well, that was random. We're talking about Bitcoin. Somehow we yes. got into uh, shark fishing. But like, so then yeah, somehow yeah. you did end up roofing again. So after that, I thought, right, I want some normality. I've got a good friend in Sydney, a friend from home. He, he was a plasterer. He said he put me up for a couple of weeks. Flew down there. Um, I managed to get a job that was just scouring Gumtree. And I got a job with an Irish guy and an English guy who just set up a roofing business. Um, and I was like, look, I'm just a roofing labourer. I'll come in and do some work if you want. Um, I, I could do with the cash. And they were like, yeah, great. At $35 an hour, I think it was. And after about a month of working for those guys, they were like, mate, you're not, you're not really a labourer. You're, you're more of a roofer. I just never really um, got a chance to do that much of it. So I got a, quite a big pay rise and was uh, got a truck and everything. And I was sort of thought I was the boy. Um, in Sydney with a truck and a decent job, good money. Um, and it was it was around about that time that I was on Twitter, and that's when I started seeing Bitcoin over all over Twitter. And yeah, that was it. Right. So what what's the art of roofing? I mean, this is something that I love about the Bitcoin space now, learning about each other's trades, right? I've I've had uh, like I said, an electrician on recently, had Jake on, yeah. ship broker. Uh, now a roofer and people are going to want to build citadels. They're going to want to build their own house. I know personally when it comes to biting the bullet and buying a place, I don't want to buy a house. I want to buy some land and I want to have it constructed and I want to get into the Bitcoin community and find the tradesmen that are going to come along and build it with, with love and be paid in Bitcoin and with respect and uh, have all of that good stuff go on. I really look forward to that. That's probably going to be a, like in two to five years time, you know? Uh, yeah. So I it's know I'm exa- not exactly the same with me. Right. Really? Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, there's, a, so... there's, a, there's a plot of land not far from where, from where I live. I've been looking at buying for a while now. 
Um, I've even offered the blokes some money and I, I, I want to do the same as you. I want to get people in. If I can get Bitcoiners in, then I will. I speak to a couple on Twitter who are who are in the UK and they're tradesmen. So that would be that would be good. Um, but with this dip recently, I've ended up dipping into my land Backing. fund. And, yeah, basically. <laughs> the girlfriend's not going to be too happy to hear that. But yeah, that's yeah. it. And it, to be honest with you, the art of roofing is, in my opinion, the art of any trade is knowing how to do the job at a good pace. So most people could look on YouTube and build a brick wall or put a stub wall up if they're a carpenter or even wire a house, maybe not connected to the mains, but do the simple wiring. The art of any trade, in my opinion, is knowing how to do the job efficiently. So, so it would take me one day to what it might take somebody who isn't a roofer four days. And then you work out what you can earn based on that, I guess. First thing you want to do is make sure it's waterproof. And then the second thing you want to do is make sure it looks good. And that's pretty that's pretty much roofing. Did that. <laughs> <laughs> it's really All quite right. simple. I mean, I thought you're going to go into like uh, the geometry and uh, the architecture and, and all of that. Um, but <laughs> well, that's what architects are for. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> we don't, to be honest with you, we don't even put the roof trusses up. We leave that to the carpenters. Most customers, I'll say, look, I'm the roofing guy. If you can get your structure up, I will waterproof it and I will guarantee it. And, and if there's any problems, you can always come back to me. Um, whether it be pitch roofing with tiles, slates, I much prefer tiles. I much prefer sort of handmade clay tiles and natural slate, or whether it be flat roofing, you get GRP, which is fiberglass, or, or EPDM, which is rubber. Um, when it comes to materials, I've, my old man was quite old school, and I am as well, so I don't really like the new modern concrete tiles which are made. I like, I like, I like sort of the as, as tiles which were made in England. They're called handmade clay. Plain, plain tiles and they were made over 100 years ago and a lot of times I get a restoration job and, and, and the customer will say to me oh should we get rid of those tiles and buy some new ones and I end up saying talking them around saying look these tiles are made over 100 years ago they're still going to last longer than a lot of the tiles that are made nowadays the concrete ones something to do with when they made them back in the day they were they were they were they were obviously made as wet clay and then they were left outside to dry naturally for a couple of days. When they make clay tiles nowadays, it's all a synthetic process. They're, they're cooled really quick so they can get them out, out of the warehouse really quick. And um, I think the result of that is a lot of tiles, the modern clay tiles, you put them up 15, 20 years and the frost will end up sort of getting into them and then they, and they, start, to, they start to flake away. And it's the same with slate. You can get like a cement fibre modern slate which is man-made or you can get natural welsh slate which you could you could take off an old building and put on a new one and it's interesting when, when we were roofing in australia the best product they would use over there was welsh slate so they would import welsh slate at the time it was ten dollars per slate god knows what it is now it's probably more, more like 20 and if you think you've got a building with fifty thousand slates it's, it's quite an expensive job but yeah that's 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 the way I look at it. Well, that's the difference between fiat tiles and gold standard tiles, right? It's I honestly think that's what it is. <laughs> the time uh, preference in shift in the the factory uh, in, in the way that they were produced. It's like yeah. Bitcoin just explains everything, doesn't it? it no, it, it actually does. Yeah, I've had all these thoughts in my head all my life, but all of a sudden I can just 
pass it all together and you can just you can see the bullshit from a mile away whereas before it was all a bit cloudy you couldn't quite piece everything together so yeah, really anybody can. that that's listening to this that is looking to build a house or needs a new roof you want you want the old stuff you want the hundred year old or the the, you, the slate <laughs> you want yeah you want natural slates um preferably from in my opinion wales um no matter where you are in the world that is um and you want if, if you're going for tiles you want handmade clay tiles you probably have to go to a reclamation yard you'll pay through the nose but i do think it would last longer i've just finished a couple of good jobs actually i think there might be some pictures on my twitter um i'll i'll, I'll, I'll link you to them when i'm done but there's there's some really nice products out there most of them in my opinion were made a long time ago so all you traders are you in telegram groups and stuff and and you know exchanging ideas not not massively to be honest so i've got my twitter account it's 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 um what's the word pseudonymous it's not like nobody knows it's me none of my friends i speak i'm in the i'm in the, the bitcoin um twitter chat and then there's a couple of guys on there who i might speak to on a private dm every now and then but no we're not really i guess it would be a good idea to get a group of bitcoin tradesmen together so when it comes to building new things or if if, if, if you want to build your sister now you can get in the sparky your plumber your roofer your carpenter yeah that's a good idea yeah, you guys have got uh, yeah, build a little team and uh, you know rely on each other. Uh, it's uh, we'll have to come up to France and uh, help help you out. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Yeah, I wonder yeah. how could I fuck with you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> do you do thatching? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go. <laughs> but to be honest with you, when it, when it comes to slate, the French, the French, I don't know if you've noticed, you probably don't look at roofs that often. I do. Um, I like a nice but, roof. But the, the French, are they, they have some good slate and they, they have some really nice, I mean, I'm just a roofer, but they have some really nice roofs over in France. I remember um, just before just before Rona, um, my, my, my girlfriend and I, we, we, we took a took a road trip. We drove to France and I spent the whole time just like ogling at the roofs. And I said, oh, look at the lovely slates. Yeah, it's, in, there's some nice buildings over there. In our region, in the uh, the Perigord Noir, as they as they call it, uh, a lot of the roof is the local rock. And it's, um, they, ju- they just pile it. I don't know how they do it. They just pile it. And it's just the weight that keeps it all in place. Mm. And it's still completely waterproof. And, um, you know, it lasts centuries and there's yeah, still exactly. a few artisans that can do that and so when you do have a renovation job on one of these chateaus and they they call these guys in but they're booked up for like two or three years and they like yeah. literally hand hit the rock to get it into a um into that into that space yeah. that they need it on on the roof when it's done it just looks spectacular it, it's an art i think i've seen it and they're like they have they have valleys in the roofs where usually you'd put a lining of lead underneath the valley but somehow they managed to do it with just stone it, it honestly as a roofer it's really impressive you might get the average person who thinks what what are you looking at um but that that's the thing with being a tradesman so um when when people come and work for me for a few weeks or months here and there they end up saying Every time I go around, I look at roofs, and I've got mm-hmm. friends who are window fitters who who will be out and about, and they'd be like, "Oh, well, look at that! Look how they've done that window." When you become an expert in something, you see so much more detail than, than somebody else would. It's yeah. quite cool. No, it's very cool. All right, mate, you've been in El Salvador by all accounts. Yeah, that's it. My brother and I. Originally, the plan was we were going to go to 
um, it's a stag do in France skiing trip. Um, but all that got called off, as as you know why, um, in January. And he he actually lives in Malaysia, but he was back for Christmas to see family and come on this stag do. And I remember saying to him, "Should we um, should we have a look at going to El Salvador instead of France then um, before you fly home?" He was like, "Yeah, yeah, have a look at it." So we looked at flights; they're relatively cheap on the on Skyscanner. And we were just about to book, and he said, "Oh, hang on a minute. Um, do you want to make sure you can fly through the US because it was a layover in Houston, and because uh, of basically because of because uh, of some choices I've made in the last couple of years, I, I'm not allowed to go through. I'm not allowed to even transit through the US. So we were thinking, oh, it's a spanner in the works. Maybe maybe we can't go. Um, but we looked again, and we realised Mexico. There's no restrictions whatsoever with travel." So we booked a return flight to Mexico, Cancun, which was only £250. And then we oh, booked a return flight from Cancun to El Salvador, which is a further £120. So for a very cheap price, we ended up getting ourselves over there. Um, was, that for the, was that for the conference? No, it wasn't. No? It was it was just a New Year trip before, right. before my brother flew back to Malaysia. Right. Um, we managed 10 days in El Salvador and four days in Cancun. Um, the, the Cancun thing was just just a way of getting to El Salvador, to be honest. We, that was the, the main goal was going uh, go and see how the Bitcoin law is working. And have you been over there? No. You have not been over there yet, right? No, yeah, exactly. It's, it's a pretty amazing place. It really is. Um, when, when we got there, we were, we were initially a little bit disappointed. For some reason, after everything we've looked at online and heard on podcasts and everything, we were assuming, you know, it's hyper-Bitcoinized. Every transaction you make can be Bitcoin. But in, in reality... The law, the law was only bought in the end of last year, and um, it's, there's a lot of educating people to get the whole country on the Bitcoin standard. So we were initially a little bit like, uh, you know, we were hoping to transact more. That was in the first day or two. But after that, we, we went down to Bitcoin Beach, and uh, and and it is pretty much hyper Bitcoinized. So we arrived, and a guy called Aldo said, "I'll oh, come, come and stay in our our place. He had a nice hostel with nice rooms and everything." And we were chatting to him about Bitcoins and he was saying, well, this is Aldonte. Um, not everywhere accepts Bitcoin. We, we do like it. We understand what it is. But a, lo- a lot of the older people here, especially, they don't even have smartphones. You know, you still going to have to use some cash. We were thinking, fair enough. But we, within, a, within a couple of hours, we managed to find like a few bars, a few restaurants, a few surf lessons my brother had. And, and it was all Bitcoin. And we spent, we must have spent four or five days there in total and the whole time we were there we didn't spend we didn't go to the places that wanted dollars we, we, we you know in the morning we would go and get pusas we'd pay in bitcoin it would be lunch we'd go get some lunch have a beer pay in bitcoin surf lessons i mean i bought i bought this t-shirt from uh, from hope house which is uh, obviously the the bitcoin beach chimbera uh, and uh, beach guys yeah did you meet yeah, chimbera yeah yeah no, we didn't. We didn't. I'll tell you what did happen is um, when we first arrived in El Salvador, um, Max and Stacy were doing a meetup. Right. And we were like, oh, that sounds wicked. Um, we're going to go to that. And then we, we had a look at it, and I didn't realize it was a ticketed event. So tickets were sold out. That was a bit gutting. They then tweeted a couple of hours later, we've got 10 more tickets. Oh, oh wicked. Let's, ha- let's have a look. We were too late. Again, we were gutted. Um, so when the day of the event came, my brother and I, we went, we went on a free walking tour. We went around all of the old towns in Salvador. Um, it's a really cool guy. He showed us around. <laughs> and we paid him in Bitcoin, which was quite nice. 
we tried to onboard a couple of um, a couple of other tourists. There was a couple of Europeans that came with us. Um, they were there because it's no restrictions, by the way. I think it was a good thing for their tourism. And it, and it came to the end, and we were like, "Oh, watch! This is how Bitcoin works. We're going to pay the guy in Bitcoin." So we got our we got our Lightning wallets out, and we're trying to send it to the to the walking tour guides, Chivo, and it for about 10, 15 minutes, it just wasn't working. So it wasn't a good advert for Bitcoin. <laughs> um, it, it was one of our first interactions with trying to use Lightning on Chivo and um, a lot of learning happened there. We ended up paying him, it was all good. Um, and show, show, showed the other tourists how it works. When, when we got in, we were a bit tired. We probably walked 20 kilometers that day and we were thinking, oh, all right, fair enough. We've missed this meetup. Max and Stacey then tweeted, we are in, I think it was Blue Moon Bar around the corner and um, come and have a look. So I looked on Google Maps and it's like a one kilometer walk. So like we got quite excited, had a quick shower, went straight down there and somehow we went straight into this Bitcoin meetup. Max was on stage with his microphone doing his thing and there was probably 40 other Bitcoiners in the room and we're just like that. How, how have we gotten into this? Just a couple of pledges like straight in there. There's Samson now in the corner, Max and Stacey, there's some like pretty cool people and we're there like, yeah, this is amazing. It was really good. Did you get to speak to uh, to Max or Stacy like one to one or not? So they had their other, they had their half an hour of chatting and then they went into the crowd. Um, we we did feel like intruders, um, right? So we didn't really we didn't really go over and speak to them, but we were chatting to a load of other Bitcoiners, and it was quite a nice our first interaction with actual Bitcoiners. Some El Salvadorian people, a lot of Europeans, Americans had a good chat with them, and then we decided not to go and speak to Max and Stacy. Yeah. How was the chat though? Like, uh, just so nice to oh, be it, surrounded by just you know everybody's there for the same reason. Yeah, when it, when it comes to Bitcoin, I hear a lot of people on Twitter saying, "Oh, I wish we could have people to speak to." I'm quite lucky because my dad's really into it, so we can always go and have a good. I mean, most days we have a good chinwag. Um, my brother's quite into it as well, but it was nice to speak to absolute strangers. You know, like an Israel Israeli guy, a Russian guy, there was El Salvadorian. Italians, Americans, it's nice to speak to other people who all share the exact same views and similar beliefs. Yeah, that was really good. And then what we found was as for the rest of the 10 days in El Salvador, as we traveled around, we would sort of intertwine and end up bumping into these same people again and again, some on Bitcoin Beach. And yeah, that, that was good. Had a few more beers and went, had a couple of nights out with, with some of them. Yeah, it's good. When are you heading back? Well, we, I mean, a lot of people were there that we met, Bitcoiners, and they were they were saying we're here to look at the property prices. So I think I think currently there's a big influx of people buying property. And my brother, my dad, and I we we've sort of we're, we're thinking of um, doing the same thing. Maybe just start off with a plot, some beachfront property somewhere um, as an investment. Um, so that could be in the next couple of years. We'd obviously have to go out there and, and have a good look at it. So hopefully within a couple of years we should get out there. And then maybe in in longer time, in the longer time frame, we might spend a bit more time out there. Be a nice roof over your head, if nothing else. Unless <laughs> yeah, unless you work together with your dad on the roof. Is is, is he going to listen to the pod? By the way, I, I, I'm sure he will. Yeah, I, I mentioned it. I mentioned <laughs> it to him earlier. Yeah, my my dad had to. He basically had to stop roofing. So, like I said earlier on, we didn't used to get on that well. Um, when it came to work, especially, we just fall out. He wanted it his way. I wanted him to listen to me. Didn't happen. <laughs> but in, um, I must have been 2018, he, he was abroad in, in Thailand and he got a virus in his, a bloody virus, a virus in his, his eye. And uh, he, went, he essentially got treated for the wrong thing. Within 
48 hours. He was completely blind in one of his eyes. So he got flown home by his insurance company. <clears throat> and at, at the time I was working in recruitment and he, he his life had been turned upside down, obviously. He was saying to me, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I should do with the work business. And uh, I said to him, look, I'll do the roofing if you're happy to show me the ropes, how to run the business. So the next year or so, that was around about the same time that we fell into Bitcoin together, which is quite nice. And he sort of gave me a crash course on how to run this business he'd been running for the past 20 years. Sorry about the squeaky chair. Yeah, yeah I wondered um, what that was. Yeah, I've been doing that for a while now, sorry. Uh, yeah, so he he obviously couldn't do any physical work. You've got no depth perception once you once you lose one of your eyes. Hmm. But he would leave me out to do to do the, the on-site work and he would be in the office doing the office work. And at the same time, I got an apprenticeship on the accounts and, and pricing and everything. Um, so over that, over that year, we, we actually became an awful lot closer, had a lot of Bitcoin chats, had a lot of working chats. And, um, and, and, and now he's fully retired and I, I'm, I'm running the business and uh, it's all going quite well. Mate, that's awesome. So now let's get on to the mining, which the plebs definitely want to hear about. Because like <laughs> you said, you, you listen to so many other podcasts and you think this is just a business for the big guys and uh, exactly. it, it literally is plug and play as you've uh, like so so like you even bought I, I love the fact you bought an s9 from a random dude on facebook i mean like <laughs> how did that go yeah that that's quite a funny story as well so um it, it was the first miner we were going to buy i messaged this guy and he he was like yeah come on up on saturday so i, I drove from my place up to birmingham um and and, and the postcode he gave me took me down this it was really quite a rough area from, from what I'm used to. Pulled up outside this house and there was like smash windows and it was, it was a flat downstairs somewhere. And I was thinking, I've never met this guy. He's selling a Bitcoin miner. I don't know anything about him. I've got to go in this building. I was really quite scared. <laughs> Long story short, I spent about four hours in there. He was this really lovely, friendly Italian guy. He, he made me Italian espressos. He cooked me pasta dishes. He, he really, really helped me out. Um, and he was, a, he was an installation engineer for... <clears throat> he would install... How would you say it? He would install systems. So if a business wanted, like, I guess, internet put through the whole building and, and, and computers everywhere, he would install the wiring. He was, he was really technical and he knew his stuff. And he spent a long time talking me through what to look for in a broken miner, how to set up a miner, um, what not to do. He spent about an hour telling me off for the way I was buying it. So he said, I don't know why you would meet a stranger and buy a miner. You don't know anything about the miner. You could, you don't, I can tell you don't know anything yourself. You could be being sold a piece of shit, blah, blah, blah. So he, he, he was a really nice guy and he really made sure he was taking, taking the thing apart, showing me cables. He was saying, look out for discoloration here and look out for this there. Um, so I landed on my feet really. I was quite lucky. He left me with his number. He said, if there's ever any problems, I'll come and I'll come and have a look. Luckily, we he, haven't had to use it. Did he tell you why he was selling it? Was he upgrading or something? Or like uh, <laughs> so you, rage quitting he, Bitcoin? The power <laughs> rates, the power rates, the power rates were too much right. for him. And interesting, I remember having a conversation. His English wasn't, it, it was a bit broken, but mm -hmm. he he was under the opinion of that 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 it it wasn't going to work. China were gonna win, mining wasn't gonna work. Um, and I remember after leaving. I was like, mate, I'm going to send you some information. I sent him a load of podcasts and books to read. So I need to catch up with him and see if he's changed his mind on that. But yeah. Wow. 
The main oh. the main thing is he wanted he, he bought them to make money and, and the electric was too expensive for him in the middle of Birmingham. Right. Yeah, this is the key, right? So all right, let's talk a pleb through they're on the verge of since, making that decision. What what since, are they since, since buying the S9, um, within a couple of days we had it set up running, we had it linked to slush pool, and then we saw the SATs coming in. We were thinking, oh, this is really quite easy. So um I got back onto eBay this time. Probably shouldn't have. One of the one of the problems, by the way, with buying miners that I've found in the UK is I struggled finding reliable people to buy them from. So if you try and buy them on the Bitmain website, often it says minimum order quantity, I don't know, 100 miners. And some, you know, small time, we're not going to do that. So I jumped on eBay and I found a bloke in South Wales. He was selling an S19. <clears throat> we agreed, my brother... Um, the farmer and I, we're going to go for it. We're going to dive in, you know, £10,000. We're going to go and buy this machine. Um, so I drove down there and met this Welsh guy. Really friendly bloke. Again, he wasn't a Bitcoiner, which was the second mine I bought and the guy wasn't a bit a Bitcoiner. I guess his niche, this guy was, he could get these machines imported. Um, they were brand new, so they have warranty, but he could somehow avoid the import tax. So he would pay seven or eight grand and then, he would be selling them for 10. That, that was his niche. But we we bought a machine off him, took it home, plugged it straight in, working perfectly. Um, we then thought, right, we're going to go for it. So we got the electrician in, we got three-phase electric in and uh, took another trip down to see this Welsh guy, bought another couple of miners and then bought another three. Within a, within a month, within a, within a couple of weeks, we went from nothing to you know, six S19s, quite a lot of, quite a lot of kit. It was only then we started thinking, well, we're starting to put some serious money into this. Maybe we should just hold fire and, and see how it goes. Since then, we've just been maintaining what we've got. And uh, yeah, it's been going well. All right. So then how does slush pool work? Because if, if someone's now got the machine, they've got it plugged in, how do mm. you connect? What's that next stage? How do you connect to slush pool? And, and tell like, the plebs what slush pool is. So slush pool, uh, when it comes to mining, you obviously... There's a block released every 10 minutes. The block reward is the Bitcoin. That's what everybody's after. You can go out and mine on your own um, and you can try and mine a block with, 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 with a couple of machines, but there's so many more machines out there that, that, that you don't have much chance of getting that block reward for that 10 minutes. So what you do is you join a pool. Everybody pools together their, their, their hash power. If anybody within that pool mines a block, there's an agreement that, the reward is shared between everybody in the pool. It's, 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 it's quite a simple thing, really. It's just pooled mining. So you plug in your power, you plug in your internet, you jump on the local network and you have to find the miner's IP address. Usually it's 198.something-something-something. You find the IP address of the miner, say it's an S9, going somewhere in the settings, you have to, you have to put in your slush pool address, which you will find on your slush pool account. It's all actually, um, it might sound very confusing coming from me because I'm no expert, but that there's really good information out there and there's some really helpful people on Twitter who will help you if you get stuck anywhere along the way. So essentially, you plug in the power, you plug in the internet, you you, you find the IP address, and then you link your slush pool address to to that miner. And and then that's it. You just leave it. You don't you don't want to fiddle. You don't want to turn it on and off often. That's, that's just it. It's, it's running. You want to try and keep the place clean around it. That is definitely a problem on the farm. So we had to 
you know, the shed it's in, we had to really, really clean it out, brush it out, get rid of all the dust. And it, it, it gets dusty quite often. So a lot of cleaning happens. Um, but other than other than plugging it in and, and, and connect it to your pool, there's not really that much most people would need to do. Right. So how loud are the bastards? <laughs> so if if I was stood in the room and I was trying to have a conversation with you, it, it wouldn't happen. We'd have to go out of this shed, shut the door and uh, have the conversation outside. They're very loud and they do sound just, it's just a, a high pitch whirl sort of buzz. It's, it's, it, it's, it's a noise. Yeah, it does go straight through you. We, we bought an awful lot of, um, of uh, sound insulation to go in the shed because down, down on this, on this, on this farm, we want a little, we don't want too many people knowing what's going on. So as a bit of security, we try to block out the sound. We did find, we did find the temperature in the shed got quite hot. So these things, they do run really hot, especially it was late summer. We started, there was a lot of sun beating down on the, on the metal roof. So we've, we've, we've put in a huge maxi fan that's drawing air through. We've cut holes in the back of the shed. Yeah. We've had to make some tweaks in the, in the infrastructure, you could say to, 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 to stop the, the noise being too high and stop the temperature going too high as well. Plugging this in your bedroom is not going to work, right? If you're living in well, an apartment. I, I, I bought another miner. I bought another S9 off a guy on Facebook. Again, I probably shouldn't have, but it, it, it worked for me. Um, and I ended up sending him some money over the Bitcoin network and he posted his miner to me, but he was mining in his bedroom and he'd actually created this 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 box out of ndf wood and he soundproofed the box so i received an s9 in a box um, and i did plug it in my house for a couple of hours and it it was still relatively noisy but it, it went from being unbearable to maybe a games console running quite high so if you can build or buy a soundproof box you could definitely do it within your house and the, i guess the benefits of that are during the winter in a cold place, you're, you're getting some really good heat. Maybe you wouldn't keep it in your bedroom, but in your kitchen or your, your living room, it, it's definitely doable. All right, mate. All right. So then, so back, back to Sloshpool. Uh, so if you're if you're plugged into Sloshpool and you get a cut, if there's a if there's a block mind, you get a cut. A cut. Does that get split equally, or does that get split per? amount of hash rate that you're you're bringing to the party Do you, th- does that make sense yeah yeah so obviously there's guys out there that would have i don't know a thousand s19s they're running up a few petahash. hash um and then it's a couple of guys out there have an s9 so it would be unfair to, to split it it would be unfair to split it between evenly between people what happens if they, they work out the hash rate the hash rate you've put towards the block over the last 10 minutes um, they take the average over the last 10 minutes of your hash rate, and then that is, is is what you get paid off. So if for some reason over that 10 minutes, a couple of your miners have dropped out and you only have, say, 8 out of 10, you'll get paid on on the, on the hash rate from 8 miners. All right. It's evenly distributed that way, I guess. That makes sense. Okay. And uh, Brains, have you, have you used that? No, I, I'm just winging random questions at you that i've heard yeah, like so, you know i've heard marty shill brains uh and uh yes yeah, so have i so, <laughs> so what's this I. all about um brains i guess is a they call it they call it an overclocking software i think i mean i might be absolutely ruining this but um they, they, they can they can tune the mining you've got up 
So instead of getting, say, 10, 10 terahash, you might get 25%, 30% more. So that they can send, I'm not going to go into too much depth here. You can, you can tune up your miner. Um, the only problem with it is you might end up running it a bit too hot and you might damage the miner in the long run. But I mean, Brains is a pretty big company, very successful. So it, it's obviously working. The thing is with Brains, it depends what machines you have. So we have an S9, it's an S9K, and there is no operating software from Brains for the S9K. So that doesn't run. We also have S19s, and they haven't yet released the software for the S19s. It's all in, I think it's in beta at the moment. So if, if you wanted, you could sign up for beta and you could let them use your machine as a, as a test. That isn't, isn't yet released fully for S19s, but I guess the idea is you get more hash for from your miner. Have you found, like, instead of you looking at the Bitcoin price, are you looking more at the difficulty adjustment, uh, the, excuse me, difficulty adjustment and hash rate? Have you, have you found that it's kind of yeah. changed your mind on how to view yeah, Bitcoin? Absolutely. absolutely. So we got in quite luckily shortly after the, the China crash. The network was down 50%. A couple of podcasts I listened to, they were saying, you know, the hash rate might not come back online for two years. And since we've plugged our miners in, we've just been watching this hash rate just go up, 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 up. And we're thinking, like, this this is crazy how fast all these machines are being moved out of China all across the world, basically. It's really quite impressive. At the same time, selfishly, you think, oh, I wish it would stop going up so fast because my market share gets smaller every time it goes up. And that's just uh, that's just an honest opinion. Do you, do you want to explain yeah. that for the plebs? The, for the plebs that have just purely been looking at number go up, do you want to explain like when the hash rate number goes go up, up, why that would have detrimental effect, why the difficulty okay. adjustment, if that gets adjusted down? You know, because it's also <laughs> beautifully interlinked. But uh, if it really, for those, really is for those people that are here, just you know, like uh, a little bit in the rabbit hole and haven't made this connection yet, <laughs> I think it would be a good idea to kind of explain that. Okay. Okay, so the mining hash rate is the total the total hash rate across the whole Bitcoin network. So it's all of the miners combined together, and 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 um, and it's the hash rate, the power of all of those miners. If there's every ten minutes, six point two five Bitcoin are currently released, and if the amount of miners on the network increases, then the current miners get a lower share of that reward essentially so the more miners that come online the stronger the network is the harder it is to to to, to hack etc but the the less of a share you get for what you mine um so as the hash rate grows you you you, you, you get less bitcoin it, after the china crash people were, were, were saying i wasn't mining at the time but people were saying they were getting twice as much bitcoin per hash as they were a month before um and it's all part of all part of the game theory of bitcoin i guess <clears throat> at the moment the, re the block reward is still mining is still very profitable even at quite a high electric price there's more miners coming online all of the time um yeah it's very very competitive and uh, if people are looking to get into mining there's a few things to think to look out for so the hash rate is going up very fast um so it would take you longer to get your bitcoin back so look out for that hopefully you'll work it's worth the initial risk. If you're if you're quite smart and you keep your miners running and there's no mistakes, then it's a, it's a very profitable business, basically. Um, 
Yeah, I, I know. I mean, it's you not might, you might be able science. to explain the hash rate a lot, a lot, a lot easier. No, no, it's fine. But there might not be an exact science. But uh, how long? So that's another thing, is right. Let's talk about that. How much do the machines fluctuate? Because that again is linked to the hash rate and linked to the price of Bitcoin as to the amount of machines that come on the market. And of course, when new ones are released, are uh, big miners that uh, have got loads and loads of rack space might offload a bunch of secondhand ones, which are great for home miners. But like, yeah. how closely are you looking at those secondhand prices and how much do they fluctuate? So when we, when we first started um, an S19, which is a standard model, I guess, nowadays, 100 terahash, in the UK, you pay about £9,000. And like I said earlier, in the US, they were they were probably $9,000, so cheaper in the US, but the, the import tax in the UK makes it quite difficult to get cheap machines. So about £9,000, and then within within a month, they were up to, up to eleven. You know, the, the Bitcoin price was was flying. It was $69,000. The machine price was really, really going up. And uh, since then, obviously, the, the, the price of Bitcoin itself in dollars is pretty much halved, but the machines have gone down maybe 10 15%. So... They, they, they do, they are like a derivative of Bitcoin, but the price of the machine is a lot less volatile than the actual Bitcoin price. So you can pick up an S9 at the moment um, for between nine and nine and a half thousand pounds, um, which, is, which is not bad considering, considering they're 11 a couple of months ago. Okay, so if someone wants to pick one up for 9K, plug it in with really good electricity, let's say, and they're um, like, so they've got a good feed. And they've got a low yeah. rate, right? So the best yeah, case yeah. scenario is I can get a Bitcoin miner. It's an S9. Uh, I know it's not as powerful as an S19. We can get into that, I guess, in a minute about the difference in machines. It's cost me mm. nine grand. I've got good electricity. The rates are low. How long would I? Would you think would be a realistic kind of expectation mm. for me to make that nine grand back and then just start making gravy after that? This is... This is the thing with with it is if you are going to account for your profit and loss in Bitcoin or in pounds, because obviously if you account for buying your miner in, in Bitcoin and you want a Bitcoin return, then then when we first bought S19s, they would probably pay themselves off with a year with free electric. But as the hash rate increases on the network, it takes a bit longer to get your Bitcoin back. So if you're looking in Bitcoin terms, currently, I think an S19 with free electric, say, would pay itself off in 18 months. That could all change, obviously. Another huge mining ban could happen, and, and then a Bitcoin would pay it off quicker. Um, all the hash rate could continue to come online at an accelerating rate, and then it would take longer. So it, in Bitcoin terms, you're looking at roughly 18 months, I would say. Price, it completely depends, because... You could be the Bitcoin price can double it in a month. So you could be a year in, you might have half of your pounds back. And then within a month, the price of the price of the Bitcoin on the market has doubled. And all of a sudden you, you were thinking, I'm gonna it's gonna take me 12 months to get my other half, but it's taken one. So it, the price is a lot more volatile than, than the hash rate. And in, the way I look at it is all I want is Bitcoin. I don't really care about the pound price. So I just want to put Bitcoin in and get more Bitcoin out. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You, you can't account in one unit 
on one side of the equation and another unit on the other side of the equation. If you go in, yeah. which we, we should be doing anyway, we should be going Bitcoin in and Bit, uh, and expecting Bitcoin out. Uh, so, okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I definitely think that's the way to look at it. Um, there are some actually really, really handy tools on slush pool. Um, you can go on there, you can put in your electricity rate, you can put in the machine you're running, the software you're running on the machine. Um, the hash they can predict the hash rate for you or you can predict the hash rate and it will give you like an intersection of when you'll be in profit and it has some really helpful stuff on the on the stuff website and what is the difference between ns9 and ns9 s19 what why would you choose so, one over the other so price wise we, we, we paid 450 pounds for an s9 and it would run 13 terahash <clears throat> And then we paid, say, £9,000 for an S19, but it runs 100 terahash. So price-wise, um, if, if you're getting free electric, you might think an S9 is better value for money uh, because the, I guess the price per terahash is cheaper. But I think the problem is S9s are maybe six years old, maybe older, I might be wrong, um, and they're far less efficient. So they would draw a similar amount of power, maybe... a maybe a bit less power, but a similar amount of power as the S19. So the cost to run an S9 is much higher per terahash than it is compared to the S19. So depending on your power price, depends on what you want to go for. If you're going to be spending, if you have a high power price, you want the most efficient machine mm -hmm. um, and go for an S19. Or even I think they have an X19 now, which has recently been released. Yeah, interesting. Lots of trade-offs to be had. Uh, it also depends It depends on your rack space. So you might think, well, I've got free yeah. power, but I only have so much rack space. And on that rack, I could fit 10 S9s or I can fit 10 S19s. Um, so so you, you get 130 terahash from 10 S9s or you get uh, a 1,000, I get it, I think they call it a tera, a petahash for, for, for 10 S, S19s. So it, it's a lot of... Um, we, we, we came into it completely blind and we've sort of been feeling ourselves our way around in the dark and we're, we're only just getting a, getting a good feel for it now. Will you go bigger? Will we go bigger? <laughs> because we usually buy the miners in Bitcoin, I don't think we will go bigger at the current Bitcoin price because two months ago, you could probably get four or maybe five S19s for one Bitcoin, and currently you only get two. So the return is just not worth it currently. Um, we, we, once we get our initial um, investment back, we're, we're going to reconsider. It, it, it's quite scary. Um, so just before we flew to El Salvador, my brother was back from Malaysia in the UK, and we were like, right, shall we clean the miners? It's a dusty room. Shall we take them out? So we unplugged all the miners, and um, the best thing we could find for cleaning them, we were told by a few guys on Twitter, was a, a, a air compressor. You don't have to go too mad and take the machines apart. Just blow some compressed air through, and that will blow off all the dust. So we mm -hmm. blew off all the dust, and uh, we, we were recommended by someone else to, <clears throat> as a filter, a pair of tights over the mm -hmm. intake. Well, that sounds like a good idea. So um, got some tights and tied them around the intake. <clears throat> Did a really good job. Cleaned them up nicely. Put these air filters on and uh, plug them back in. And turn them back on within 10 minutes, they're all hashing, you know, 100 terahash, all, all in the green, basically looking good. And we're thinking, oh, you know, aren't we smart? We've cleaned these miners and we've put filters on and we don't have to clean them again. <laughs> and then within another 10, 15 minutes, that these miners 
they were still running, but they just started dropping offline. They were just like, instead of mining 100 terahash, they'd be down to 20. And we were like, that's weird. Maybe we'll just leave them away. So we waited a bit longer. No, it didn't work. We then decided we're going to try a few things. So we restarted a couple. We turned a couple on and off of the wall, turned them back on. For the first five, 10 minutes of turning them back on, they all worked fine. It was like a relief. And then again, they started going offline. And we were like, oh no, what have we done? We've got all these machines. We've cleaned them all at the same time. And somehow something's gone wrong. <laughs> we start panicking. We're looking at um, we're looking at the electric, thinking we've, we've broken the electric board, thinking we've broken this and that. Um, really panicking. We had to fly to El Salvador the next day. So if, if we couldn't fix it now, we'd have to wait a couple of weeks. Um, they were all under warranty, which is good. So we could have obviously just gone back to the warranty and you know, it might have taken a while, but it would have been fixed. We couldn't work it out, basically. So my brother and I went home very sad, very, very depressed about what we'd just done, thinking we'd done well. And um, <laughs> the, 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 the farmer was in there trying to work it out. He couldn't work it out either. Another hour passed and we, we were starting to think, this is not good. We're going to have to, we're gonna have to go through the, the warranty. And then he decided, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll just take off one of the tights. So he took off one of the tights and the machine within a couple of minutes was just back up to normal. And he just, he ripped off all the tights and all the miners and uh, they, they've all been fine ever since. So advice to any people out there trying to filter their miners with a pair of tights, um, just don't do it. It's really not good. I'm sure the women plebs are, oh, he's probably <laughs> using the wrong thickness of tights. Like, you know, that's, well, that's this... just something we wouldn't yeah. know, right? <laughs> there's, there's probably a whole tights exactly. rabbit hole that we haven't been down. But, uh... <laughs> exactly. But on, on that note, um, I have since seen, if, if you do want to add an air filter, what you have to do is add another fan so you can generate the, the suction to, to help it flow through. So it is definitely doable. Um, we just, mm -hmm. we've laid off that for a bit. We scared ourselves and we don't want to go too near them for the time being. <laughs> Or dig out the old, uh, the, the wife's old pair of fishnets, I suppose. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'll have it, sexy yeah. looking miners and you'll still have dust to deal with. <laughs> All right, yeah, mate. Maybe well, we should I, get I, some of these blue, blue cloth masks and, and put them on there. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> never, never on a Bitcoin mining machine. No masks. Uh, I asked actually uh, Chris at Bitbo for, for the plebs that look at Bitbo. I've asked him if he can add a. Um, a hash rate range because i can't remember what the high has ever been or the low has ever been i don't know how many people track it but if we could just have like the 52 week high the 52 week low it'd be so nice what, what do you mean by that the the so right now the hash rate over the last 24 hours says 177.66 exahash per second i'm like okay okay what's the high like you know what how high oh, has I this see. been in the past how low has this been in the past um yeah and you want like a, a 12 month range, maybe a quarterly range as well. And yeah, Absolutely. see the direction of trend. Absolutely. So and... we, I mean, I never looked at the hash rate at all. And right. as soon as you start mining, you start looking at it far, far more often. And then you get the hash rate of the whole network, but you also get the hash rate within, within your pool. So recently the slush pool hash rate has grown as a share of the whole market, which means slush pool itself is mining more blocks than it was. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously as slush pool grows the amount of miners you have might not or doesn't so our miners our share of hash rate hasn't grown but slush pools has so we're generating more blocks but we're getting less block reward if that makes sense and there are other pools, pools right there are other mining yeah, pools you it. could join is that worth ever diversifying if you've got a handful of machines have one at slush well, pool or 
that is that is an idea within your minor um when you set up and you put in your pool address there's actually options for, for, for putting three pools in i think you could put more more so you could put in slush pool as your number one if for some reason slush pool would go offline that minor would jump to your number two you could put an f2 pool your number three could be ant pool so so there is that um but to be honest with you i'm a big fan of marty ben and this is why we went straight for slush pool all right good enough yeah good enough reason yeah, that's it. I mean, the, the the Italian guy was trying to get me to go with ant pool, and he said it's the biggest and it's the best, blah blah blah. But slush pool's the oldest; it only has like a five six percent share of the market currently. But um, we've had no problems; they've been they've been pretty good. All right, all right, man. Well, this is uh, this has been great. I hope a lot of people have got a lot of information from this. Um, <laughs> where can they find you if they want to come and like uh, ping you some some questions? Is is Twitter the only place? Yeah, I, I don't really go outside of, of Twitter. Um, my uh, my name on Twitter is well, my my handle is at Bank of DBS. Um, DB, DBS is basically my initials, and, and Debs is is a shorter version of that. You could say. Right. But yeah, if you search for at Bank of DBS, if you do have any questions, you you can fire them over. I would I would try my best to answer them, but I'm probably better at just deflecting questions to people I know who could answer them. So yeah. You, did, did you realize dbs is literally the largest bank in singapore yeah i did yeah so i thought i'd, I'd, grab, I'd grab that handle when i could <laughs> it's all part of be your own bank isn't it so yeah bank, bank, dbs absolutely uh development yeah. bank of singapore uh all right mate well uh, that had, sounds for? that's it. right yeah if you had one orange pill left to give to somebody who would you give it to and why <laughs> I, i've thought about this one and i'm I'm going to say it might be a bit controversial, but I think Elon Musk, because people think he's already orange-pilled, but he clearly isn't. He's out there shilling Dogecoin all the time, and and it's doing my head in. Um, I I heard a podcast earlier, and uh, basically within the podcast, the guy said, George Washington was was the, the instrumental guy in the in the american revolution he was he there were plenty of sort of plebs around the time who wanted a revolution but it took george washington one of the richest men in america to help the revolution happen um elon musk i don't think he's orange pilled yet and 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 he's obviously one of all if not currently the richest man in the world and i think he could make a huge difference to bitcoin with with, with tesla and and with with his own with his own money and with, with with his own following um He's just not doing it any justice at the moment. So somebody should try again with Elon Musk. That'd be great to see. I, I just hope he's not a spook. That's that's my only uh, that's my only concern. This is what my dad says. Yeah. Mm. Although I do remember hearing an, an interview with him, and he said, I, "I've sold everything. I own nothing but Bitcoin, a little bit of Ethereum, and a little bit of Doge." So he obviously has a, a fat pile of cash, which he's put into bitcoin or he did have this was six months ago i don't really know um i think he could be he could be a good good one to get again yeah be, yeah i mean it was so gutting to see you know that 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 high moment of tesla being pretty much the second right behind sailor because they had that chat on twitter mm. sailor and and musk uh just firing questions and answers back at each other, which was amazing to see. And then Tesla announced and we're like, all right, here we go. This is crazy. But then 
all of the nonsense after with with dogecoin and the people that what's annoying is he he wrecked a lot of people doing that he wrecked a lot of people because he's got x amount of million followers and now you're just playing with people's lives and that's just not cool uh to 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 pump the price and dump the price on a whim just because you think you're being funny on the internet it's like that's not what we're here for that's not what we're about based on no fundamentals, based on nothing other than what I can see is just his ego. And it's, it's, it's sad to see. It really is. Yeah. Well, I, I would I would have said Jordan Peterson because I'm a big fan, but obviously he's he's on his way down the rabbit hole, which is really good. So, yeah. Yeah, it looks like he's fully pilled, although I saw someone yesterday updating the latest interview on Rogan, and he's like, how does he keep missing the obvious like moment to mention bitcoin uh, you know they're, they're talking about these great big problems and whatever else and he's like this yeah. has missed another perfect point and another perfect point so hopefully he's still be just as an evangel- evangelizing my, yet i was chatting to my dad about this and, and he seems to think he just doesn't he doesn't know enough yet so mm. hope, hopefully he gets the bug and he really goes down the rabbit hole um i've got i've got a, a feeling that he, he will be doing an interview with elon at some point jordan peterson that is so hopefully mm. before then he can go down jordan peterson can go deep down the rabbit hole and then get a hold of elon well there's no avoiding it you know once you've taken it the mind virus will will take over there's yeah this is it it's just a matter of time and you'd think with him it'd be pretty quick just on the psychological side of things uh but you you, you worked in finance yourself didn't you mm. so was it easy for you to to, to grasp or because no. i found it difficult to honestly no. my brother no <laughs> No, so difficult. So it's so conditioned to fear. Yeah. Uh, you know, I came for number go up and that's what I was here for. And that was fine. That was all fine by me. Like, no mm. problem. Just number keep going up. And I didn't mind. I, I've always had like a long time horizon for, for any investment. Uh, mm. So I would just stick to my guns and it wouldn't matter. And I, I could handle internally the, the volatility. And I knew volatility was your friend in the long run and just keep adding the position and find the conviction what what tripped me up was when i was trying to uh research you know i was just trying to research and research and research like who's behind this thing that can't be anonymous there's got to be someone blah 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 and then that i got really tripped up in 2017 when um all the shit coinery started coming along because i had a coat to hang on the peg of ceo you know i had ryan taylor to listen to at Dash, mm. and it was like, right, here's a CEO. This is way, way more up my alley. They seem to be talking the talk, and here's this guy. I can research who he is, and I can, you know, make an investment thesis around that. Um, totally missed the whole distributed network decentralization because I was still in the fiat mindset, uh, and it exactly. was yeah. that that knocks me back a long time. All those shit coins because you just get <laughs> so exhausted watching them and trying to keep up with them uh, and then you've got bitcoin twitter screaming back at you like uh, bitcoin only bro like back in those days those guys were um you know it was few and far between uh i i guess it was just people like um bitstein pierre american hodl uh that, that i had been following and just kept cropping up on on my feed and just like wow these guys are pretty aggressive like you know what's that all about <laughs> now i it get almost, it like, it almost you know, scares you off a little bit yeah it? exactly that's that's the hardest thing as a bitcoiner is um 
getting your point across without just sounding like a raving lunatic, basically. Yeah. It's just screaming at the world. Because a lot of people might look at me and think, God, he's really not a happy person. Um, you know, he's really, really not happy about things. But mm-hmm. in my head, I could not be any more hopeful for the future because mm-hmm. of Bitcoin. And, and, and it's just getting that point across um, without sounding like, a, like, a, like an angry person, in, in my opinion. But it's good to know that your brother's there and, and on board because very few, I mean, he'll tell you, like very few of his peers or colleagues will be, like, very few of his um, customers would be, and it can be a pretty lonely place. Yeah, back in 2019, it was, that was really difficult to get him on board. Um, obviously, the price rise since then has helped, and especially him moving from the UK to Malaysia, he's, he's now got a completely different book of clients, and they're far more open to these kind of things. And his, his boss over there is more interested than the one over here. But I think just as time moves forward and Bitcoin doesn't die, more and more people just have to accept it. And the finance world, I think, is slowly coming around to it. The best book, I think, for the finance world is Andy's book, Why Buy Bitcoin, Andy Edstrom. Because okay. he, was a, um, he was an insider. He worked at Goldman. Uh, mm. And uh, I think one other before that. Yes, he did. Um, and he's done loads of interviews, uh, but, but picking up his book, um, I've done several interviews with him, actually one real early one. This was pre even microphone. I think it was just all done on the earphones, like really, really scratchy, really, really raw stuff. But, uh, uh, passing that around a dealing room, a trading floor, a wealth management office, is the best thing to do because this is what he, he is a wealth manager. He's a, you know, a fiduciary, he has a fiduciary duty in the U S and this is why he had to write the book because he'd seen Bitcoin. He'd peeled himself. He'd got it. Mm. And now he's got to start telling his clients about it, you know, legally bound to tell his clients mm. about Bitcoin. Uh, so he did that in such a way by writing a book to give it more credence. Uh, and it's a brilliant book It's very underrated for those people that have not heard of it. It might be one of one of the few Bitcoin books I haven't actually read. I've got a big pile next to me, and and it's, that's one of the ones that isn't in there. So right. I'm gonna have to add that to the list. Get it on there. Get it on there. Yeah, definitely. All right, mate. Well, it's been a great rip, and I hope a lot of people are gonna reach out, say thanks, and uh, try and you know bounce some ideas off you with uh, the home mining. Yeah, I mean, I hope, I hope I've actually come across with some clear points, and if I can help anybody, just just send me a, send me a DM on Twitter, and I'll, I'll see what I can do. All right, brother. Well, take care. Have a great evening. Thank you. Yeah, and yourself. Cheers, Dan. See ya. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks for coming on again, Debs. Great rip. So much information there for the uh, the plebs to start thinking about as more and more people are looking into how and where can they start their own little mining operation or just be part of the system, just, just to have a tinker around. Uh, We had an episode with Daz just before this one. So if this is your first one, uh, new to mining, go back and listen to that one, Daz, because he's an electrician and he completely spells out how it all works and what you're going to be safe to use. What are the no-nos? And between these two guys, if you are seriously considering getting yourself a machine, you got Daz in Australia, who can help you over there. You've got uh, Deebs over here in the UK who can help any of the Euro plebs and you can bounce questions off either of them. Both of them are happy to help. DMs are fully open. Really appreciate this, uh, Deebs. Well done, mate. Thank you for coming on. Uh, please 
go and show your support to the uh, show sponsors. If you stack in sats, you can use Swan in the in uh, in the US of A, SwanBitcoin.com. In Europe and the UK, you can use Coin Corner, Relay, and Bitcoin Reserve. And of course, you have to take control of your coins. Get a hardware wallet, Bitbox 02. Hardware wallet, Bitcoin only edition from Shift Crypto. And if you want to get to the conference, 6th and 9th of April, 2022, you know what to do. Hit the links in the show notes and get those discounts. Catch you on the next show, guys. Thank you for listening.